Hi, and welcome everyone to the 108th episode of CM Rocks. This is Marcus Allanson, and today's podcast will be about robotic desktop automation. And with me today, I have Nick Hans from Reenhance. Nick is an accomplished software development and president of Reenhance a company that has reviewed and tagged each and every one of the 585 Power Apps connectors at connectorreview.com. Welcome, Nick Han. Oh, thank you. Very glad to be here, Marcus. How are you doing today, Nick? I am doing very well on this uh, wonderful Monday. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, we're recording this on the 22nd of November, but it's going to be scheduled to be released in middle of December. So it's still, it's already cold here, but I think it will be even colder then. I'm certain, I'm sure of it. So it's really up to 585 connectors now. Jesus. Yes. Yeah. They're adding a handful every week. Um, we review them. As soon as they come out, um, I can tell you that their busiest day is usually Thursday, but that has recently changed. Um, so it's it's interesting to see. We can we can see everything that's that's been going on there. So is it many independent connectors coming out now? There are quite a lot of independent connectors, and not many of them have triggers. Um, we find triggers to be the most interesting part of Power Automate because uh, that's how you get into the system, uh, whereas the actions are a lot easier to add. So as an automation advocate what is it that you do we really focus on building tools to help non-developers do uh, developer type things so there's a lot of smart people out there and uh you know the the barrier to entry for writing code can be pretty high uh, especially if you've got a lot of other responsibilities in your work so um through power automate we build tools to help people do more intelligent things um you know connectors that, that make it easy for them to do automations we're customers all the time what's your last memorable customer experience as a customer you know with so much of the work online being uh being online these days it's easy to lose the human touch you know you just go to a website and you buy things and uh one of the companies that we work with has really impressed me um and that's mscrmaddons.com they sell uh like crm add-ons and things like that you buy it through the website um, but uh, the personal touch I get from Patrick O'Donnell over there completely changes the experience for me. And uh, that makes such a big difference. Yes, yeah, so we use them as well using their documents core pack. So I think they're great as well. So yeah, kudos to them for, for doing a great job. Yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, the personal touch that I get there makes a huge difference. If we look at RPA, what does it mean and what is it? So RPA is known as uh, Robotic Process Automation. Um, it, it's programming just by another name, except you're instead of using APIs and like internal libraries that come with, with programming, you're, using, uh, you're writing programs that use the same interfaces that people use. So it moves the mouse, it clicks on buttons and dialog boxes, um, and you just start giving computer instructions to, uh, to, to do these things according to a script that you've recorded. Um, you can replay them over and over again using different inputs to make the, the computer act a certain way. Um, but it's actually a really old system. It's, it's, not, it's not a new idea at all. Um, what's different is that the tools are finally good enough. Um, so uh, there are a few other big companies in this space that you might have heard of. Microsoft is there with their Power Automate and Power Automate Desktop. Um, but you've also got UiPath, which got $2 billion in funding, and they're now public. 
Appian, which had uh, $84 million in funding, also now public. Appian, which got $84 million in funding, which is also public. And Automation Anywhere, which got $852 million in funding and is still private. Um, if you aren't using RPA today, then you're not moving as fast as you can uh, because your, your people are basically taking this time that could be automated, had the computer do it instead. So you, you said here, it's good enough now. It seems like it's not always been that. So has it been good enough for a long time, according to you? No, uh, things got better in the last couple of years, um, you know, where there, there seems to be a little bit higher level understanding of, of how these different interfaces work. And, you know, anyone who's technical is listening to this will find a million ways that I'm wrong here. But from the, from the average end user perspective, you can actually use these tools. You can hit record and it will do what you've told it to do time and time again. Yeah. And, and that's like the, the main purpose of these RPAs, right? So you build a process, you record it, then you publish it. Is that what it's called? I, uh, yes. Um, Microsoft has their own terminology. You can put it into a solution and then you can deploy the solution. Um, I guess that's the right wording that they want you to use for it. Um, and you but, deploy uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. So you can deploy it and then it lives up in the, in the cloud. If you go into your, um, like flow.microsoft.com, you'll see it there. So you can record it on one computer, play it back on another one. Where does Power Automated Desktop comes in? all of this uh, RPA stuff then? So it's an app that's freely included in Windows 11, and it lets you record the activities and play them back. So if you're a smart employee and your usage of this isn't restricted, um, you can start using it today to automate the tasks you do. So for example, like if you get an email um, that has uh, somebody's confirmation number, you can write a script that will pull that confirmation number out, enter it into another system, and, um, and then just that whole process will be fully automated without having to build custom code to do it. As well, what do you mostly automate? Um, there are a lot of different systems you can work with. And um, it's, it's neat because the RPA stuff really is like that final step. So if you think about how, um, you know, the, the self-driving car stuff and how all that can, can happen, we're likely to see that on highways first. It's that, that last mile problem where it's, you know, getting from that distribution hub and then getting it to the houses that gets to be really complicated. The analogy here is that you want to use uh, things like Power Automate. Um, now, this wording is confusing, but you want to use um, Power Automate flows to do some of the things that are more programmatic. But then that last step, which would be uh, interacting with computer systems like old legacy software that doesn't have an API, that's when you'd reach for Power Automate um, so that you can use that to build a program to use these other programs, um, but only if you don't have the right tooling to do it. Is it often that you encounter like this custom-built Win32 battleship grave thing applications that customers want to automate in? Unless a company is brand new, as in like new this year or last year, everybody has old software that they're stuck with that just doesn't make sense to upgrade. That's too painful that you can't be sure, you know, how it's being used or who's using it. And uh, they just, you can't justify making the change. And that's not a problem that's ever going to go away. Um, so 
this is this is what you can use to fill the gap so that you can uh, you can you can build programs to use those old programs um, without having to 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 you know unwind all the 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 finger web you know dependencies that are that are on top of it um, it's not the best solution but it's a good enough solution all right so the the scenario is like this then they they had a developer to build this custom built software that they now depend on they left the develop the developer left they don't have any documentation they just have built code and now you come in right yeah that's so common uh yes i've seen that play out uh time and time again um and what you can do with with power automate desktop uh or with rpa is um essentially build your own sort of interface there that can interact with that um now you can get really clever with this and some of the really smart companies are using these scripts basically as as an automated test right because if you if you have two pieces to this you have your old legacy software and you have your rpa script the rpa script can run on top of that and then as you develop new pieces you're able to see you know what uh, you're, you're able to basically document it in that that sense so um yeah rpa is uh is useful but um you know i wouldn't try to build full-fledged um systems out of it um however companies have done things like that uh one that comes to mind is uh plaid which is doing um like financial services stuff and they they look like an api for banks that don't have an api behind the scenes from what i know plaid is just doing web scraping which is one of the things that power automate desktop is good at um so that just means that it just goes and it puts your username and password into the bank's website and pulls all the details from it which is exactly the sort of things that you can build with power automate desktop Okay, hoping that these banks don't have multi-factor authentication that because then you're sort of, yeah, the device is still here in front of me. Or yeah. they, they email it to you, right? We're in this and weird in-between time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when, when you talk to someone about RPA, you, you're bound to hear the terms attendant and unattended. What does that mean? Okay, so um, I'm going to give this in cons in uh, basically the concept in terms of, of uh, how uh, Power Automate Desktop or how Microsoft defines that. So the attended means that it it runs while you're using while you're sitting at your computer. You're logged into your computer. You have your your little Power Automate Desktop server running on your computer, and um, and a flow runs. Well, now it takes over your mouse and it takes over. You know, it moves it around and clicks on things, and it can pop up dialog boxes and wait for you to give an answer. And um, so when you do that, that's known as attended mode, where it basically takes over your machine and you're not able to use it at that time. Um, it looks really cool to see the computer working, but you know you can't do your work while that's happening. Unattended is where it runs on a PC that, uh, that doesn't have anybody signed into it. The screen is locked and it uses the on-premises data gateway, uh, which is just a, a, you know, basically it's just a way to say, hey, you know, it's just a phone call to Microsoft over that gateway. Um, so the unattended mode runs the flows one at a time, but you can't interact with it. So you can't ask the user anything. Um, and that has a different license level to it. Um, unattended runs um, on on a PC. So it still needs to run somewhere, um, but you can put it onto a, a virtual machine. All right. So the virtual machine can then be in the cloud in Azure. So... Yep. We don't have to have that PC in the office laying around. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's for yeah. unattended only. Yes, unattended only. Because I've been so lucky that this pandemic that we don't have a single thing on premise anymore. Uh, so moving to the cloud was just basically take your laptop, go home. Now you're working from there instead, and oh, then we will have to dog. send you minotaurs. <laughs> you, you lucked out on that. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> finally we don't have anything on premise. So good timing. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. So could you say that attended could also be, okay, we want to help, like, say, a customer service agent run through five different systems that we don't have an API to, like that Win32 program with an access database underneath. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. That could do that as well. So you have some information in Dynamics, you press a button, it grabs that and then automates things so they can talk to the customer while the system looks up all the related information. Yes, and that's where we're starting to see some really cool uses of this. Uh, and, you know, it, it it's just interesting because if you build these flows to be small enough and you make them so that, uh, you know, you can trigger them according to certain things, you can actually have this sort of weird interactive process where you have an employee sitting in front of the PC, but the PC is sort of this this machinery of where you're talking to the customer and the customer asks you something and you go and you press a couple buttons, you enter it into your system. And, um, and then the system, all of a sudden, once you take that certain action, it can start to, to run these flows. And then you can do it in that sort of manner where the usage of the machine kind of becomes more and more automated over time. Um, that's one of the more interesting places that we can see this going and where I think Windows 11 is really pointing. Okay, so the attendant mode um, doesn't have to be, okay, go to flow, press this, run this power automate desktop flow it can feel or sense or know that now is the time to do something yes yeah and it would basically not the feel or sense it's it's got to be triggered from somewhere and you can trigger it from inside of the you know you can run this on a on-premises gateway um and then as long as the machine is intended you can still fire them off okay so you cannot be on change on the form event it Hands, yeah. And <laughs> okay. This, yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. And this is I'm, gets... I'm just brainstorming here what it could do. So perhaps yeah. it's not at all relevant. But well, Power Automate is an asynchronous service, which means it runs. It's just basically it, it, it's built in on the Microsoft side as a you know it's just like this giant job pool where these things all run as soon as the computing resources are available. And um, what's what that means is you can't depend on it to run right away. So trying to build these things against an asynchronous service means you get these weird random intermittent lags that there's no explanation for because there's just no way to see the visibility as to what's going on. Um, so you could do on change on the form, but it wouldn't be a very good experience. Okay, so that means that if you have on-premise systems and you're basically offline internet, you cannot do attended mode. Uh, you can always run it locally on your machine. Um, in terms of uh, if you're totally on-premise, um, you can run an on-premise data gateway, which then can give you a way to interact inside the network. Um, so you can do it in, in that way to where you can, 
as long as you have that on-premise data gateway, that will connect up into Power Apps, and then Power Apps can can trigger it from everywhere else. So um, yes, you can get really interesting with the with the use cases here. Yeah. All right. So we talked a little bit about Power Automate Desktop, and so that's the application that you download, you install it. That's where you build your flows. It's yep. it's still called flows. They still do that. It's very confusing. They're really broad about how they apply the words power automate things. But yeah. same things on power apps too. Yeah, it's it, it's a brand that go. Uh, it's a brand that goes. So Office, everything now it's Microsoft instead. Well, well, we know with Dynamics three sixty five. I'm not even sure what I'm working with. Is it Dynamics three sixty five <laughs> CRM? Is it customer engagement? Uh, I don't yeah. know. At this point, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So it's an app that you download, install, and that's where you. That's your maker experience. Would you call it that? Yeah, I would. And that's more the attended mode is more for like the the maker experience where, you know, that's you'd run it locally. Unattended is for the more mature flows where there's you you've kind of got them more more figured out. So you don't build the unattended flows in Power Automate Desktop then? You do. So you do build it in the maker experience, which is the Power Automate Desktop. Um, so you can record it there. Unattended just means that it runs on a PC that nobody's sitting in front of. Yeah. And that PC you want to have in the cloud, preferably, not like some laptop that was just left over by the employee that just left. Yeah, it needs to be on all the time if you want to use it. You know, it, it's better if it's a machine that's uh, on the cloud because then you can have um, some knowledge about availability. Uh, but it doesn't need to be. You can run it internally on, you know, you can host that VM internally. And that's what we do for some of ours. Um, we've got, you know, a VM in the other room because we paid for the server once and we're not paying Azure for renting this thing. So, um, you know, it just works better for us that way. Yeah. But it, you, have you ever come to customers where there is like, yeah, it's running on that laptop or that tower, server tower over there under the desktop? Yeah, it, if you think it, you can you can name it. There's there's customers out there that use this technology in all sorts of weird ways. Um, but uh, yes, I've I've seen that where you know it's a it's a dusty machine uh, running in inside of a drop ceiling actually, um, and uh, you know just covered in dust. And you're amazed the thing still runs because the layer of dust is half an inch thick. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, we've seen that. We've seen all sorts of things. So stop the cleaning lady from going there because she will unplug it, move it somewhere else, and then I think that's like, why they put it above. The, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's why it was above the drop ceiling. Like you know, yeah. no idea there's a computer in the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So would you say that it's easy to get started with this? Yeah, um, it, it is, um, as long as you can avoid some of the, the pitfalls, um, which unfortunately experience is the only thing that'll, that'll really teach you those. But if you wanted to interact with uh, like simple applications, um, say if you had like an old um, ERP system or you know, some Windows uh, 32 legacy uh, software, it's very easy to work with. Um, if you start trying to use it for web scraping, it can go wrong in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, it, uh, it's really neat because when you hit record on Power Automate Desktop, uh, you're able to see all the steps that you take in it. So if you are there and all of a sudden you get a phone call, you can go in and answer the phone call and keep it recording and then you know take those steps out afterwards. 
Um, so it'll stay focused on just the task there. All right. So would you recommend, like, say, okay, I am a customer now. I have something that could potentially be automated. You, I should try out to see if I can automate this thing. Yeah, there's a, um, you know, you, you should probably do some thinking around if you can make a business case for it. And so, you know, the best way to do that is um, is just figure out how much time someone is spending on a task and, you know, the, the cost of automating it. Because what Power Automate Desktop has done is it's changed the math in that regard. So um, now you can start to justify automating smaller tasks that um, that you couldn't justify before. Um, and that's constantly changing as new tools come out. So it's good to think about all the the steps that your employees are taking, all the the you know all the things that that people are doing, um, and just get a sense of what the what the costs are involved. Like how much time does it take someone to do that? Um, because as the years go by, we can start to justify automating smaller and smaller tasks that take less and less time, um, so we can free the employees up to be more uh, productive on other things. Yeah, I I just remembered a old an old XKCD comic that is like, is it worth the time? So that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, uh, yes. So <laughs> we will be sure to add that to the show notes then, because that's really good. So you stay focused to what's actually good or not, because yes, otherwise you spend more time automating it than you will saving time. In, and this has five-year range now, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. One thing that Microsoft is good for is backwards compatibility, uh, which you might not be able to say around all these other move fast and break things companies, is you know if you build something with Microsoft, there's a damn good chance it's going to stick around for a while. And uh, so you, know, it's, it's, you can kind of go through the math, like, yes, we can do this. We can justify the expense of building this thing because you know it's not going to go away right away. Most All right, so so if I'm not a, con- a, a con- straight-up consumer, then I'm a consultant agency. We have never, ever looked at RPAs. We've done flows, and we know our way around flows, but never done that. Would you say this is good business opportunity here for consultant agencies to look at then? I've run my business for 16 years now. And so, you know, what I, what I look at and what I, what I ask is, you know, when a customer has something, what is it that they're actually wanting to buy? You know, what is it that they're actually looking to purchase and then build towards that result? So Power Automate Desktop is really interesting because now you can start to think in terms of, well, if I want to build a, a, a software business here, if I want to be a consulting company and sell products instead of just services, Power Automate Desktop offers me a way where I can I can build this thing out and then sell it to my customers as a subscription service and you know just absorb that cost of building and have the subscription revenue there. The thing doesn't it doesn't have to be perfect, but if it can get the results and you start to see traction, then you can start to replace it with more robust software in the future. But this lets you explore the whole space of what can be automated and uh, and then offer it in terms of you know. Well, let's let people subscribe to this, and we can we can charge them, you know, like ten dollars a month um, to do these to do these tasks, rather than charging them, you know, this this you know x x thousand dollars to build this automation. We can do it in a more productized way. Yeah, and perhaps more agile way as well, because 
the automation doesn't have to be perfect on the first try. Yep. And like we talked about, you can do the whole thing where you're mixing humans in and out of the, out of the, the process as well. Um, and if we're thinking about this as a remote first sort of, of business, those people that are helping you, those, those, you know, people sitting behind the computer, they can be anywhere on the planet. Um, so you can then have, you know, this, this power automate desktop, run it in a VM, have the employee use a VM. And now you're starting to do this automated stuff, mixing the humans in and out of the process. Um, and just refining it over time. Yeah, and if that automation process or that thing that you're running unattended is really high CPU usage or whatever the, it's using, it could be really good to just have it in somewhere else. So mm -hmm. not everyone has to have really high gear boxes. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you should be able to get a sense of what makes sense to build and what makes sense to just, you know, hack together using RPA. Yeah. So what do you mean like build an RPA? Is it these like, okay, we have an API, let's actually build it or hack it? That's the RPA way. Uh, the right way to think about this is, you know, if somebody comes to you and say, hey, we have this process, but we don't have an API, RPA lets you say, okay, we can work with that. You can build out your own programs. You don't need to have APIs for things. Where you wanted to build APIs is where the, you know, you go back to that XKCD chart and it suddenly becomes very valuable for this to work really well. That's when you start thinking about custom building software for it. Um, if you can't justify it, just hack it together with an RPA. Get the thing to just, just work through, you know, this, this scripted stuff until you can figure out where the real value is. Okay, so you have you built things where there is an API, but it was cumbersome to use it? Yes. Um, so uh, I will probably, I'll, I'll talk about the own, our own connectors that we built. Um, the Gravity Forms is a connector for Power Automate. We've built out a, um, a, a plugin there that basically uses our own API to make it work in Power Automate Desktop. This is an RPA. Um, but it's this, this similar sort of example where uh, we built these tools and now the whole world all over the planet, uh, our customers write us about how easy it makes their job and, and how much they love being able to just, you know, drag and drop inside of Power Automate. And, and now you've taken the time to building that API, so it's much easier to consume it, right? But yep. have you be, been in a situation where a customer says, okay, we have this thing, it has an API, but we're not sure how to use it. You figure it out and you said, okay, let's go for the user interface because you have a user manual and someone can actually point and click as how to use it. So using RPA instead of the API? Yes. Um, as a developer, I'd always reach for the API first um, because I, I would prefer to stay out of the interface. And the reason is, is the interface is, is basically the end point of any, any software product. So it has the most potential for chaos. And, you know, as, as programmers, we, we, our whole job is to manage the chaos that, that is, that is in computing because everything we build on is this shifting sand of dependencies where it's all falling apart and crumbling. And, so you just try to eliminate as much of that as you can. When you're working in RPA, you are subject to the full force of that. You've got all of the dependencies and the, the stack of things that have to be right for RPA to work is just massively bigger. 
than what you get with uh, with like a, a, a program solution. Some of the time that's okay if things aren't changing, uh, but when they change and they change often, then you start running into things that break. Yeah, so it's usually those legacy things that tend to never ever change because, yes. well, the code was lost anyways. So we don't actually know how to change it. I mean, um, localization, it's not a thing because it's standardized and we don't have currency where the currency field is. I mean, the money, the money field where the currency symbol can be after or forward or all of that thing is just gone. Yeah. Yeah, that becomes a really good fit for um, for for Power Automate Desktop. If you're going to do worth the with legacy code, that's great. Um, the other end of the stick is where you just want to do some exploratory work and you just want to see if if you can prove out an idea, and that's where RPA can be really helpful because it's very quick to rapidly prototype things. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, you don't want to build a full-fledged system. Yeah. So how much does this cost if I want to actually use it in production? Then? So Microsoft's charging $40 per user per month for attended RPA. So you've got, uh, you know, basically Microsoft has everything goes through Active Directory. So if you wanted to use a single user account to do this, they'd actually have to be logged into that PC and you know they own the operating system, so it's not easy to get around that whole Active Directory tied thing. Um, and then there's an additional $150 per month for an unattended mode. Um, now, unattended can run um, just like attended; they can run flows from from anyone as long as they're on the PC. Um, but the unattended then is still tied to what's what's called a bot. Um, so that bot, um, I'm not totally sure i'd have to do some research to see if that runs under different user accounts but i'm pretty sure the bot just runs under one uh user account um but don't quote me on that yeah um, because if you want to log in you probably want to log in as someone that's not an actual person so you know the bot has done it so hopefully yeah. well yeah, you know, someone I else yeah, the, the bot, when it's not going to be logged in. So unattended runs in, in logged out mode. Um, and then the bot is basically, it runs these flows sequentially. So um, you can run, you can schedule the flows to run. Um, and uh, if you need more than one PC to do it, then you're going to need more than one bot. But if you just have a couple flows and they're okay to run uh, one after another, then you can just have one bot to do it. Yeah. Um, so all these bots and all this script, it's got me thinking about, there's a term for like script kiddies where, where people take things that are malware on the internet and stitch them together with scripts. Could RPA be used as malware? So... Security is a big interest of mine. Um, and in terms of an interesting vector, um, maybe. I would be most interested to see, you know, that, that service that kicks off the, the, the Power Automate stuff. That would be the, the place that if I was interested in anal analyzing that, that's where I'd focus most of my attention. Um, because that, that would be, uh, how you could, how you could do it. Um, but, Everything is tied to your Active Directory account, and it is inside of your flow.microsoft.com account. Um, and there is no system on the planet that is as heavily scrutinized as Active Directory is. So um, yeah, I would, I'm, I would, I'm, I'm thinking about like, well, I'm using it, and 
I am the one producing malware with my that I produce a bot that is used for I don't know scripting something, then going out to website checking if you can log into sites using the username and password that I got from a list. Well, yeah, I mean, you could do that for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Power Automate Desktop has no morals to it. You can use it for whatever purpose you like. Um, flipping that, though, I think rather than trying usernames and passwords, another an interesting place for it is uh, lead research. So you could get a whole list of websites, and if you wanted to, you could be you could use Power Automate Desktops for lead research. You can then throw in all these domain names, and then. It can go through all of them one at a time, look for certain things on the website, find out if this is a potential match for your company or not, um, which isn't script kitty stuff, but the mechanics of it are similar. Yeah. So if, do they have like dynamics? Do they have power automate? Do they have things on their site to indicate if they work with dynamics? Yeah. Yes. And that can be yeah. hard to fingerprint from the outside. There are a few ways to do it that I've identified, but it's, uh, it's more purposeful for a company yeah. to expose that they have it rather than, uh, you know, if, if someone doesn't want you to know what CRM they're using, um, this, it's well. very easy to keep that hidden. It's not the first thing people have on their websites. It's probably what they sell that is front and center, yeah. what they do. <laughs> so it's not in an entirely... You probably find more consultant agencies that does dynamics than people that use dynamics for it. Yeah, so, yeah. But yeah, well, I, I get what you're saying. One of the interesting ways to get your data into CRM is through a web form. And depending on what web form you're using, uh, you can identify sometimes what CRM they're using in the back end. Yeah. Uh, that's just right. viewing the source on any on a, any any website. All right. So where does RPA fit into then? If if perhaps malware isn't the best thing then? So it's just another tool in the toolkit. Uh, and, you know, it, it's interesting because it can have many, many different uses. And that's why we can see these rather large companies. You've got the, you know, the two, the three or four I mentioned before, but it can be used in many different ways because it essentially what it does is it lowers the bar for what it takes to program something. And, uh, and then that allows you so many more interesting use cases of, of automated computing stuff. Um, so, um, it can fit in in terms of, um, you know, one of the things that the Microsoft is looking at is something they call the process advisor. And uh, what that does is um, interesting because if you remember Windows 10 came out and there was a huge uproar about all of the telemetry that it sends back to Microsoft. Uh, Windows 11 is just as bad about that. And it sends all, it listens and watches everything that you're doing um, and sends that up to, to Microsoft. And what the process advisor allows you to do is if you are a, a company with a lot of employees using Windows machines, you can record the processes, you can record the, the tasks that they're doing on their machines, and then start to use that um, to understand and build out flows. And I, uh, I think we're going to see in the, in the future a combination of this with some machine learning where you say, hey, the employees are doing these certain tasks and they're doing it again and again. Here is our logs of, uh, of everybody doing these tasks. Can you, can you build a, a machine learning uh, process? Can you, can you, you know, throw this machine learning, use that as our training data 
and spit me out a program that does this on the other side. So now you can have you know, these thousands of employees all doing the same tasks and you can have these programs that can be built based on the work that they're doing um, to build out these these interesting flows um, along those lines. It sounds like it's very advanced Intune because I thought, I think that that was what Intune did before, that you joined the domain, you added some configuration uh, and that you could... I don't know, say, inject things into the computer so you collect telemetry of what users do, what programs they open, and so forth. So they're not admin on their box. They can just use whatever browser that you provide them with. Yeah, yeah. It it, it wouldn't it works under like a, a pretty restrictive environment mm-hmm. because they need to, you know, if you're going to build these things out, you need to eliminate as many variables from the equation as you can. Um, but it's really fascinating to see the possibility of where this can go to where, um, you know, it, companies can, can use their employees themselves to program these, these machine learning data sets, um, which can then be used to turn into power automate desktop flows. Um, and, uh, that will be a very interesting space to watch in the next few years. Nice. So where does this not fit in then? So, uh, you know, if you're going to be working with um, systems that change, um, if you are trying to do something along the lines of that uh, lead research that we talked about before, um, or if you are doing some sort of web scraping um, where they are, uh, you know, you're working against a system that you don't control. So if you were for example, are building something that were to log into a, to your competitor system and, um, and look up quotes if you wanted to kind of, you know, automate, you know, comparison quotes. All that competitor would need to do is make a small change on their website and it would break your Power Automate desktop flows. Uh, so you would need to then maintain that. Um, so it's not usually a good fit for that if there's an API available. So don't use it to scrape dynamics because dynamics, we know it's always changing twice a year. You get the wave and then it's, well, well. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, maybe. Um, I would, maybe, I, all right. Yes, because you can send API calls from it. But now you're now you're doing this high of like, you need a programmer to understand the APIs. But um, yeah, I wouldn't use it to use the dynamics interface for sure. Uh, no. So I was thinking the web scraper stuff that you use click and point in dynamics and it's like, yeah. well, now the menus change, the, 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 um, the, the lists are different in this wave, mm-hmm. for example, all the columns have changed, so you don't find it. Yeah. yeah. All right. So have you ever come to a situation where a customer says, let's do this and you said no to it? Uh, yes, but that's more of a case of morals than a case of, of technology where, you know, somebody wants to use it for like a really terrible marketing idea that I just don't, I'm not on board with. Um, so yeah, like that's more of uh, Hey, can you build this, you know, a thing to go out and spam people with this? Yes, but no, (laughs) we're not going to do things (laughs) like that. (laughs) We want to, we want to build things that people want to use. All right. Um, so if if you're trying to look at the the least uh, the latest couple of release waves and and see where is this RPA thing going for Microsoft and Dynamics as a whole, can you see in the future where where you see this is going? 
it comes down to the machine learning and the the AI stuff. And I, I think there's going to be a push in that in that space, especially around the the whole uh, process mining and, and task mining stuff, where um, you can then build these these flows automatically. Um, it's just such an interesting space to to be watching, um, and uh, that is where I think we're going to see a lot of the a lot of the push to go towards uh, because we just didn't those tools haven't existed uh, before before very recently like the last year or two. Um, you know, the RPA has been around since the '80s. It is not a new idea, but the ability to script and come up with their you know with their own from a set of training data. That's where it gets really interesting. Yeah. And just a side note here, I saw a, I think it was from OpenAI. I think they're the one who owns GPT-3, like the most advanced uh, machine learning model there is. And they just skip the waiting line and it's open for everyone. So you just can just sign up and start using it. And then I was like, great news for me i haven't yet tried it but as you said it's all about the, the what you can do with this and if you have a great model that you can put in the hands of great rpa well let's see what comes out of that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's an interesting space to watch um and it's yeah that'll be that'll be neat to see what companies do with it yeah. So if I want to get going here, where do I know it? Where do I go if I want to know more about Power Automate Desktop? So yeah, would... and RPAs uh, for uh, for Dynamics or uh, Power okay. Automate. So Power Automate Desktop used to be called. It was a, a product called Win Automation before Microsoft bought it. So um, there is some old documentation that I found that was somewhat helpful um, that still used the word Win Automation. Um, and that's where um, you can find some info. But they're updating Power Automate Desktop on a on a monthly basis, and it uh, you'll see those updates come across fairly regularly. Um, this is one of those software pieces that's probably a good idea to keep updated. Um, and the docs that they have online, the Microsoft docs are actually pretty good. Um, they also have the forums, which Microsoft's been making a big push to try and own all the community support around this stuff. But they gamify that, and you just get people in there who are trying to get as many internet points as possible. So they're not always the most useful. No, but I, I find that the Microsoft Docs is not always, but almost always informational. That if you're looking for some kind of information, how to, or how does this work, or something like that, you can almost always find it on Docs. So I'm, I'm impressed on how good that is. That's very true. And, you know, what's interesting is because Power Automate Desktop is, is a tool to try and make a, a non-programmer's life easier. Uh, you start to get exposed to some of the more advanced concepts in terms of like DOM manipulation and HTML and those things that you might not necessarily understand. So, you know, as you run into problems, it may be a problem that is just represented in something that, that isn't fully understood by the end user. Um, so it can be difficult to get 
started with if you don't have like a general overall understanding of, of uh, how the different computing concepts work. So I will find the docs here. So it's listed under Power Automate now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not at all. So it's Power Platform, Power Automate. So it's not actually anything to do with Dynamics anymore. And that makes sense because yeah. you don't have to buy Dynamics to use this. Um, so yeah, that's good. Uh, and if we want to listen more to you, do you have any public speaking that where you're going to be appearing? I have t- submitted two sessions to Scottish Summit. They have not been, uh, I don't think they've gone through their final evaluations yet, but uh, if they are accepted, um, I would be speaking at Scottish Summit in person um, on replacing InfoPath forms with Power Apps. Um, and then the other session is running Ruby on Rails on Azure. Um, both of which we do. Nice Ruby on Rails on Azure is like uh, like very nothing to do with Dynamics then. And the other one, of course, InfoPath with Power Apps. Interesting because InfoPath, yeah, it's probably deprecated by now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's very deprecated. It's very deprecated. Yeah, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's it's end of security support now too. I think. All right, so yeah, if you're there, please listen to Nick so you can replace it. Yeah. Okay. Who would you recommend as a future guest on this podcast? If you haven't had Phil Topness on this show, uh, he's just incredibly smart. Uh, he's in the power uh, power app space, um, power automate space, um, and uh, you can look him up on YouTube. He's done some incredible presentations to show off what can be done with power app, uh, power apps, and power automate. Um, he recently went to work with Microsoft. He's part of the Microsoft Power Cat team. Um, so he's producing videos there. But he, this guy is, is just incredibly brilliant um, and can teach a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, that's really good team as well, Power Cat. Mm-hmm. I think they just like... They just make sure that you use the licenses to buy, right? So you don't pay for for anything that you don't use. Uh, man, yeah. I just love that kind of stuff. All right, then. So if we want to find more about you, uh, where can we find you then? Do you have any links to self-promotion? Yes. Uh, reenhanced.com is the business that I run with Microsoft MVP, Heidi Neuhauser. Um, and then you can also look up connectorreview.com which is the one we talked about earlier, which has all the tags for Power Automate space. Yep. And then you build a WordPress plugin that works with... No, is it a plugin? Is it just a connector or how does it work? So, yes, uh, I'm really focused on building uh, connections between WordPress and the Microsoft Power Platform. Uh, we have two connectors um, that, that we built, one for Gravity Forms and another one called Power Form 7. Uh, that connects Contact Form 7 to the uh, to Power Automate. And um, you can find those on at reenhance.com. Um, and what they do is they, they just, they uh, you, you put it into your WordPress uh, site as a plugin, and then um, you're able to use those forms entries inside of Power Automate. Nice. So you don't have to build a Power Apps portal just to gather something if you're now already invested invested in WordPress. Really nice. Right. So thank you for the participation in CRM Rock, Nick Hans. Thank you so much, Marcus. It's a, it's a joy to be here. And thanks for your listening. And you can subscribe to CRM Rocks. Search for it in your favorite podcast player. Or you can comment on cmrocks.com.
See you next time on CM Rocks.